0: Previously on the Social Proof Podcast.
1: I, I got a thing that I do. And I, as, as I teach people, if there's three, there's three levels, there's a 0% chance, there's a 50% chance, and there's a 100% chance. If I told you, if you got one coin, and if you put it down on one of these three, there's a 0% chance the prize 100000 There's a 50% chance prize 50000 There's a 100% chance Prize, 10000 If you got one chip, if you put it over here, you're 100% chance you're going to win. Put it here, 50% chance you're going to win. You put it here, there's a 0% chance you're going to win. I always ask, I, I draw the map, I say, here's your one coin, where do you place it? 90% of people put it on 100% chance. Mm-hmm. They're like, yo, I win 100%, I, I, I'm guaranteed to win. Yeah. What do you have to do to win that 100%? Nothing. Nothing. They say, but I said, why did not you do the 50 or the 100 or the zero? And I might lose and there's no way I'm going to win. And I say to you, what is the likelihood of this guy that we're talking about sitting in prison, gang member, criminal, psychopath, making it to Harvard? Zero percent. But I did it. What is the chance or the odds of that same guy making it to the White House? Zero. But I did it. What is the chance of that same guy? Being accepted and joining a multi-million dollar CEO network in the country, in the world. I did it. What is the odds of that guy being office manager for the number one mastermind group in the world, Genius Network? Zero. But I did it. So 0% is a trick. It works. Hmm. Nothing exists before it existed. What were the odds of 1975, somebody telling you you have a phone, That you can text somebody in China with instantaneously. Mm -hmm. You just said 0%. Steve Jobs didn't believe. Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs didn't believe. it. What were the odds of a self-driving car 20 years ago? Zero. Elon Musk didn't believe.
0: Mm -hmm. So so what
2: what was the activity? Because we still got eight more years of the story.
1: The short story is in the eight years, I went back to school. Taught myself how to read. While you were in. While in prison. Yep. In segregation. I was in solitary. Went back to school. Went to counseling. Went to therapy. I had mental health issues, y'all. Just for the record. So <laughs> I just went and got every... For the next eight years of my life, I taught myself the law. Reversed some cases on appeal. For the next eight years, I worked 20 hours a day. Mm. 20 hours a day every one day. One
2: day made it... Like, it changed the course for the next eight. One day, one idea.
1: You Remember the day you, you met your wife? Yeah. Changed the rest of your life, didn't it? Done. <laughs> you get it.
0: Wow.
1: Rest of your wow. life has changed, isn't it? Absolutely. Remember the day you met her? Absolutely. Where are you now?
0: Uh, in
2: in marital bliss, boo.
1: <laughs> so people are like, how did you do that? The same way anything else happens. Mm-hmm. You met your, you met her one day, you're like, Wow. And it hit you one day. You might have saw her a couple times. One day mm-hmm. like, I want her. I need to be with her. She needs to you had that thought in your mind. Then you went about everything you had to do, taking her to dinner, buying her flowers, making sure you get the right amount of cologne on, mm. presenting yourself in the right way, praying more. Whatever you needed to do, you did. Mm. And now that you're married, you have to do twice as much. Oh, for sure. for sure. But when you had that concept of, I want to marry this woman, you went in nonstop, 24-hour thinking. Yeah. Did people
2: treat you differently with this new... Dre, did they like try you more or... Did
1: your friends treat you differently when you decided you wanted one woman in your life and nobody Absolutely. else? Exactly. They're like, "Wait, well, come on, there, let's go to the club. Girl, let's go over here. you are like, nah, I'm focused. I, I used to have free time yeah. to do stuff like that. Now that 20 hours or 10 hours a week that I've been wasting on nothingness, I'm putting towards this woman because there's a benefit in the future in that. There. There's sure. no future in this. Sure. But your friends still go do stuff that's not going to produce anything. Yeah. And you're not mad at them for still doing it. You just don't do it with them anymore. Right,
0: right. So when I
1: changed my life, people weren't upset at me. They actually saw that the, there was more space for them. Mm-hmm. So I gave away the drug dealing. I gave away all the extra stuff. And I focused on me. Mm-hmm. I didn't get, hey, y'all can have all this. They're like, what? He's crazy. He's going to let us have all the drug profits. He's going to let us have all the extortion profits. He doesn't want this anymore. Trading went crazy. That was the word. Mm. Word in prison was, Drake. the crazy Dre went crazy. (laughs) Psychopathic Dre has gone crazy. Wow. Because he no longer wants to participate in illegal money-gaining stuff.
0: Right.
2: So you've been changing over the next eight years. Walk me through the first, I'm talking about like the day you wake up that morning and like this is your day to be released.
1: I I, I got my parole in April Mm -hmm. of 1999 and the Department of Corrections refused to release me. They told the parole board we were not released this
2: Because in what? Oh, yeah. And, and we, we fast forward past a lot of stuff. Because you were only supposed to be in for 11.
1: 11. But you did, did something I 14. In, in the, caught in the two first
2: six years to make yeah. it, or like in the during first your transitional?
1: Years. During the first six years, I caught two attempted murder cases. But when I finally made parole, I, I maxed out my first sentence at 10, and I did almost four in the next one. But when I got to the parole, I made parole. When I made parole, the Department of Corrections never thought it was possible.
2: Was you say make way. parole, what do you mean is exactly? that? You go
1: before a hearings board, and there's like three people, and they decide you should be let out early. Mm. Yeah, I have to convey to them, I'm remorseful, I'm accountable, I have a plan, I have a strategy, I have support. And they look at all that, and they say, okay, cool, you can go home when you can. Mm. So I went, and they said, okay, you can go home. The Department of Corrections, which houses oh. us, says, not this one. You can't have him. We're not, we're not agreeing to this. They mm. had no dog in the fight. Their job is carrying custody. Their job is not released. You know, they've
0: seen that over the last eight years?
2: Doesn't matter.
1: Like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I tell you this here. Never cheat on your wife. Because she'll never forget. Mm. She might forgive you, but she'll never forget. And you won't forget. You'll forever change your relationship.
2: Yeah. You put them through so much.
1: Put them through... I earned that. (laughs) (laughs) And he just picked my name out of a hat. But for the long story short, I had to fight with the Department of Corrections for six months to actually get my release. Mm -hmm. So November 15th, I wake up. It's my day. We go out on the yard at 8 o'clock after count. And at 8.30, they start calling names over the loudspeaker. And you walk to the gate and you leave. 8.30, they called all the names. They didn't call me. Mm. (laughs) I'm like, what? Again, they said, no, we're letting you go home after the next count. His last jab, you know. Just out, of, just out of spite. Out of spite. But I took it in stride. I earned it. See, you can't cause grief to people no and wonder why they want to bring it back to you. Yeah. I earned that. Yeah. So at 1030, I walk out, get in the car. We drive to the parole office. Go in the parole office. I meet with my PO. And we have this little power struggle over when I'm getting off parole. And I got upset. She got upset. Then anger management actually kicked in. Before, I would have had to been right, right then. Right. <laughs> I need to be right, right now. Right, right. She's saying I get off in three years. I'm saying I get off in 18 months. We're trying to settle this right now. Mm-hmm. I said to myself, she said three. I said 18 months. I got 18 months to fix this. I don't mm-hmm. have to fix this today. Mm-hmm. I said, no, something later, you're right. Three years. But in my mind, I got 18 months to fix this. Yeah. So I walk out of there. It took about a month for the paperwork to get accurate. And I was right. And she called me back and said, Andre, you were right. It was 18 months. But had I continued on the path I was on, I was going right back to jail. Yeah. I was about to cuss her out and tear the office up to be right. And I'd have been back in the prison talking about, man, that lady tripped out on me. I had to show her I was right. And lo and behold, I was right, but I'm back in jail.
2: You'd be back at the six-year drain, not the eight-year. We got two different drains, the six-year drain. (laughs) All right, so you walk out. What do you do?
1: I do the parole office. Then I get in the car. After I leave the parole office, they said, the, the guy said, where you want to go? And there was, a, there was a youth center I used to work with at the prison. They used to bring the kids up from the juvie center. I said, take me to the juvie center. I promised the kid. When I was in the program, I told the kids, I'm leaving the program because I'm going home. The kids were like, hey, will you come see us when you get out? Our program's right around the corner from where you live. So, so I said, yeah, I promised. So I told them, take me to the juvenile center. I went to the juvenile center. I walk in. The kids were like, oh, oh gee, what's up? They was all ecstatic. And I started talking to the kids. And it was, I was happy to keep my promise. But what I found was that first ride to the parole office, second ride to the juvenile center, the world's moving. Mm-hmm. Everything's moving at a thousand miles an hour. I've been moving at two miles an hour. Right. Prison is two miles an hour. The world is a thousand miles
2: Explain it, because you went in and...
1: I went in there was no cell phones. Right. I went in there was no internet. I went in and there was no white people in the hood. I went in and <laughs> there was no talking cars. I, I can just keep going on the list. Was, I went in, there was no, it was just a lot of stuff that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I went in, things were different, stuff changed. And it was just a lot to take in. It was a lot to take in. And so I'm in the, I go to the juvenile center, strange thing happens. It's a locked facility. It's, they're locked up. Right. I felt comfortable in there because mm. I understood the space. So what I would do is every day for like five or six hours, go volunteer at the juvenile center.
2: Because you will be
1: locked in. Because I'd be locked in. It was my decompression time. Everything's moving, 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 fast, fast, no quit, no quit, no stop. Pressure, pressure, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm used to moving at two miles an hour. I'm not ready for a thousand. So I would go to the Juvie Center every day, but I was locked in. There's no phones, there's no internet, there's no talking buses, there's no white back people talking. back to what I'm used to. Yeah. I did that for like three or four months. And it was my safe zone for six hours a day, mm-hmm. and it allowed me. I knew that if I ever got stressed, I'd go to the juvie center and volunteer.
2: Primarily because you locked it.
1: That's yo. That,
2: that's
1: I love the, kid. the kids. I love yeah, the kids, but it deep. was for me.
0: Yeah,
2: I love
1: the kids, and the crazy thing happened because I'm going every day. I put me in a room, thirty five kids. I tell them my life story. Grew up in the hood, went to prison, was a gangster, turned my life around, went to school, got out. Now I'm out here. I'm trying to do better. Yo, I come back on Tuesday, same 35 kids. Now what do I tell them? I come up with something else. Came back on Wednesday, same 35 kids.
2: Right, right. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
1: Came back on Thursday, same 35 kids. So I learned by force to do more than just my personal story. Mm -hmm. I know so many people who said they're motivational speakers and have one story. I was that same guy. I had one story. Three months in the juvenile center with the same kids, you learn to tell way better stories.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
1: My story is not that they become untrue or different, but you can't tell the rags to riches story. Mm -hmm. They heard it. Now you have to learn how to break down hygiene stories, how to make it cool to wash up, Mm, how to be cool to go to school, how to be cool to pay attention to the staff, how to be, I had to come up with all kinds of stuff. I'm Mm -hmm. telling stories about why you should listen to your parents or why you should learn how to read or why you should learn about entrepreneurship. By the end of that three months, I was a master storyteller. And didn't even know
2: it. Wow. Wow. So what about, like, that, like, so this is, like, your home. And you're passing, your home that you were in for 14 years. So, like, was there any type of, like, because, you know, some people do want to go back. Right? Did you ever have that feeling?
1: I didn't want to go back. There was probably, like, five times. It was probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Been home for a couple months. And you get homesick. Hmm. Or you just feel uneasy. I would get in my car. Unbeknownst to most people, most prisons are about an hour from where you live. Mm. I drove out to the prison. I sit up on the highway where I could see over the wall into the prison. I would sit there maybe an hour or two and just look at the prison.
0: Mm.
1: All my friends were in there. Everything I knew was in there. All my memories were in there. And I would just sit up on the prison in my car looking over from the highway, looking over the wall into the prison. And I would just sit there. Some prisons are on a... This happened to be a, 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 a a highway was just sitting in a way where you could see over the wall. Mm. From that particular point, I pull up on a little bridge and I just sit there. And mm. I would look and I knew who was where and what they were doing. And I know they were all asleep, and I was just like, yo, those are my folks. I missed them. Mm. And I understood that world. So I did that probably like four or five times. Wow. It's, just, like,
2: it's like being in a toxic relationship. You break up with them, but
1: you still scroll through the Instagram. Well, that's <laughs> the, that's the millennial on. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Trollers. Let's just
2: to see what's going on.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, see so what happens uh-huh. is you have a girlfriend or you have a relationship and it's 14 years long. When it ends, no
2: system, matter how good or bad a relationship is. It ends,
1: was. yeah. My biggest thing with not smoking, I quit smoking. I smoke cigarettes. The hardest part for quitting smoking, know what it was? Okay. Know what to do with my, hand. <laughs> my <laughs> hand. My hand was programmed to do this. I kid you not. What to do with my hand? Mm. I was so used to doing this all day. When I stopped smoking, it's like my hand was just like out of joint. Right. What do I do with my hand? <laughs> so mm. I had to find something else to do with my hand. So what do you do? You put food in your hand. You start right. eating. <laughs> <laughs> so you do the same thing. Now you just put something else in your mouth.
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah, but, um.
2: So you got to like for, to replace a bad habit. I mean, to, to, to get rid of a bad habit, you got to replace it with something, not yes. just saying, yo, I'm going to quit.
1: You can't quit. Something's gonna fill that space. And if you don't direct it, it'll direct itself. Wow.
2: So you 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 start getting your bearings right. How long did it take you to make your first million?
1: Probably I got out in November
2: 99. Ninety nine. And congratulations, we just celebrated your twenty year,
1: 20 year anniversary. Anniversary. November yep. nineteen ninety nine, I got out. We just this is November twenty nineteen. 20 years I've been doing this. 20 years. Um, I don't know the exact... I didn't like, count the first M, but I ended up with a company. And over the first four years, I worked there, From 2000 to
2: 2004, we did $25 million. Doing what? <laughs> did, you, did you use some of your old six-year drain ingenuity?
1: Oh, in just, I'm stuff? only one person. Right. You see, I'm only one person. But no, it was a nonprofit. And kind of like a church setting and we did outreach mm-hmm. and I didn't understand the business of bad lives, the business of corrections, the business, the business of gangs. Mm-hmm. See, you're out in the street making money, selling drugs or shooting people or wearing colors. There are people making money off you making money. Mm-hmm. If I'm an insurance company, I love you. Yeah. Breaking another car, shooting another <laughs> house, out, you know burn <laughs> another store, right. you're driving up insurance rates. Right. So, if I'm an insurance company, I love gang members. Please come more, because right. you're driving to by the insurance cost. Everybody in the hood pays some kind of insurance on their car, on a house, on a business, or whatever. So, all the insurance companies can charge more in the hood than they can in the suburbs. Hmm. So, the insurance companies love criminality; it benefits them. But nobody ever thinks. The an insurance company, you see all these commercials on TV, get this insurance, that insurance. You never think that they understand that in the inner city where there's high crime, this do this. Go to whatever. I don't want to put anybody on blast. Go to any insurance company and say you live in a hood. Give them the zip code. Tell them you got a 2019 monster. What is insurance for this car in this hood? Then do the same thing in the suburbs, suburbs, pick a suburban town, 20, 30 miles away. Where there's no crime, no black people. And check this: insurance rate on the same car. Guarantee you it's almost double. Wow. Do the same. You go to the grocery store. Pick up a can of beans. It's a dollar in the suburbs. It's a dollar 25 in the hood. Everything's more. Insurance. The store costs. Open and open the store. What does the store insurance cost? What does liability cost? So the insurance companies make extremely, extremely more money dealing with inner cities unbelievable nobody ever thinks about that
2: mm. so how did, how did you start in like business of making money and like what what was your what was your first obviously you you helped the organization make 25 million did you not get a, bu-
1: a bunch I spent of that? a bunch of that
2: huh did I what you got some, you got
1: what <laughs> what anybody know me from 2000 2004 i used to drive a new car every day three times a day
2: what were you doing what what did you do
1: for work or for the cars
2: I mean, yeah, like, to, like, what was your means of income?
1: My means of income, we ran a nonprofit. The nonprofit was geared towards helping violence reduction. Okay. So nobody wants kids being shot. Nobody wants people going to jail. Nobody wants their kids to flunk out of school. So we put together a team of ex-offenders, guys, gangsters who've been in jail, and we'd come talk to them kids. Mm-hmm. Because we were them 20 years ago. We were there. We're their big brother's best friend. We're the guys your big brother looks up to. Right, right. We're the guys. I originally got the originators of every gang in Boston. There's all the different gangs. I got the guy who came up with the name. Mm. So, BMF, I would go get Meech. Mm. I'm saying...
2: Promo code, big deal at checkout, and get your tickets now. Don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights, take your brand to new heights, take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer. Okay, I'll see you at the summit, and don't forget to use promo code.
1: Big deal. Gangs Disciples, you go get who? You know what I'm saying Crips, you go get Tukey and Mr. Washington, right? So I got for Boston, the originators of every game. Put them in one room. And said, listen, this is what we're going to do. Mm. Now, there's an article. Anything I, say, anything I say out of my mouth is online. There's an article, Henry Norman, Gangster Turns Life Around. And it'll say in the article that I pulled together 65 people and we had this meeting and I had a core of 15 people. It's 25 million online. Mm. Anything I say out of my mouth is online. If it's not online, I don't even bother to say it. So I used to be a mentor for mid baseball online. Sports Illustrated, it ought to So if you can't believe Sports Illustrated, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right, right. But the baseline is we would do gang interventions, crime interventions, and those things. So take a school district. Um, I was just in Dallas. There's 154,000 kids in Dallas public schools. The average school kid costs $10,000 a year. So you tell me what's 10,000 times 154,000, and that's the budget for Dallas public schools. Mm. People don't understand the business of education. Public school is a business. So you take a school district with 50,000 kids in it, multiply it times 10,000. And that's the annual budget. You can, nice. just go, you can go to Google right now, put in Baltimore City public school annual cost of kid. It's always between 8 and 12,000. Any city. Wow. Low 8, high 12. Mm. You see a public school building with a hundred kids in it. I see a I see a building with a hundred times ten thousand.
0: What? Mm. Yeah,
1: that's what, that's what I'm seeing. So right. now you have this hundred kids in your building. If 20 percent are dropping out, what's 20 times ten thousand? A lot. That's a lot of money.
2: A whole, <laughs> a whole lot of bread. So
1: when I go speak to the principal, those are the conversations. People look at this is classic. I remember when I was a kid, my sisters went on a school college tour. It was like the black, co- the black college tour. They took all the high school kids, put them on a bus. They drive them down to Virginia, show them all the HBCUs. And everybody's doing bakeries and soup cells, and Let's raise money and send our black kids to school. Right. I watched that for years. I didn't qualify because I dropped out.
0: <laughs> but for years,
1: it was always a big thing. That was like the first time you ever got really good to leave the hood Mm. was a black college tour. So everybody knew about it. I see it drastically different. All this selling tickets and plates to get me to go to college. If you go to a college right now, the average cost of a college is $40,000. So if you sign up, that school is going to make $40,000. Times four, it's $160,000 for you to go to that school. So if I can bring you 10 kids... At $160,000, that's $1.6 million over four years. I just brought you for bringing you 10 kids. Why the hell am I I selling chicken plates to help you make $1.6 million? (laughs) They pay people to recruit students, but we pay to send our kids. We Mm. got it backwards. People are doing it backwards. I go to a college and I say, what is it worth for you for me to bring you 20 students? What is the dollar figure that you will make if I deliver you 20 students? Mm-hmm. They'll say $3.2 million. Okay, if I bring you that, how much do I get? I bring you three, $3.2 million in revenue. What are you going to pay? Mm. Bro, I'm so happy you're going to school. <laughs> you're going to get an education. You're going to be the first in your family. Yeah, man, listen, they're doing business. Right. Colleges are doing business. We're doing charity.
0: Right,
2: right. Well, no, no.
1: They're, I'm doing business. Right. <laughs> I walk in a room. I'm looking for the business angle. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for the, okay, where's the money being made? I mean, yeah. I want you to go to school, but the discussion my aunt would have had was how much, how much stuff does she have to sell? How many plays? How many fundraisers mm-hmm. to get you in school? Mm-hmm. And she ain't getting nothing for all her, doc, all her efforts. She's just get a good feeling that she got you there. Yeah. I'm walking to the university saying, listen, how yeah. much you charge to go here? And what does it cost over four years? Mm -hmm. And what is the legacy? The legacy avenue is your brothers and sisters. So if you go to a school, there's a good chance your brothers and sisters will go. So I'm going to bring you 10, which is 1.6. Plus, you're probably going to get at least another 3 to 5 on a legacy piece. So that's another, I'm saying, 800,000. So we're looking at 3.2 million, just me bringing you 10 kids. What are you paying me out of that? Hmm. If I bring you $3 million worth of revenue to your business, you're going to give me money, right? man. For sure. So why would, you think the colleges don't pay? We just don't ask.
2: To listen to or watch this full episode, be sure to check out the Social Proof Podcast on your favorite listening platform or on YouTube. Finally, you asked for it, and we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. We have amazing stories, amazing information, the how-tos from the episodes. The only thing we're missing is a community. So... It's about that time. We put together our Patreon. We put together a community because we have to have conversation around the information. So even this podcast we're listening to right now, there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And because we're a like-minded, we're all going in the same direction. When we connect, connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships, okay? So- Check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is um the support is appreciated. What if I told you for one dollar, I will introduce you to hundreds of entrepreneurs every single morning this week? From all across the country. You'll be able to talk to hundreds of entrepreneurs. And I'll coach you. I'll coach you for a dollar this whole week. And I'll introduce you to some of my successful friends for a dollar this week. Would you? Great. It's $79 a month after that. If not, no obligation. You can leave whenever you want. All right. TheMorningMeetup.com. I'll see you in the
3: morning. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.